Chapman was able to kind of just make the intent or the design more important than the individual. And so you kind of, Charles and Ray Eames, oh, maybe I'll look, you know, you, you weren't intimidated. You were more interested in what they did. And it was, again, it was just putting design in front of, or simple thinking in front of, rather than the fashion and the prestige and the, mm. and the names. Mm -hmm. He was he was awesome. Really accessible. It's a great book that he by design. That's my, uh, my my recommendation for the day. I'm going to have to pick that one up. As with summer reading lists. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are here gathered. This is Jahi in the place to be, mm. the legit sidekick. Kicking it here on a Tuesday afternoon with the superstar. I'm with two superstars. You're the superstar. No, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm just here to put y'all over. <laughs> You're doing the booking. I'm the heavy. I'm the heavy, like in um, like Leo. Okay. I come on the show, you just beat me up, make I look strong. Baby, you don't put over Bruce. I can't put up Bruce. Bruce no. put himself over. <laughs> so if you're the legit psychic, then I have to be the role model. It's only fitting. Yes, that is perfect. <laughs> Those straps, aka Baby Leo, mm. or just you know Donald, mm. or just Donald, just regularly. DPZ. DPZ. <laughs> no, no <laughs> pillow. But man, oof, we finally struck gold, right? Big time. The Phil Jackson. The Rick Rubin. The Jay-Z. I think we can settle for that for now. I think that's good for His now. His work speaks for himself. Yeah. So who do we have with us today? The Godfather. <laughs> I've been called, like, on the show, you've always been referenced on the show, so I'm going to start off with that. Like, I call you Nathaniel. That's, yeah. <laughs> so we have the incomparable, because you have so many titles, but. How about this? I'm completely lost. I don't know what they're talking about or where I am. <laughs> <laughs> this is our lovely intro. <laughs> we are gathered here today by the wonderful Ned Drew, designer, graphic designer, even in my own eyes, artist, amazing human, touched many lives in, yeah. in where we record at. Parts unknown. A lot of people probably gonna be jealous that we got this interview, but like you said that one time, just that the pull that we have, <laughs> <laughs> the two your horn. Again, I'm very lost. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are here with Ned Drew, longtime faculty member here at Rutgers Rutgers University Newark, mm -hmm. the big boss, the face that runs the place. No, <laughs> no not at all. I'm the chief. Long, gray in the face and long in the tooth. I, I am, I am, do not run the place. The people that are better served and smarter than I am that are doing that. Mm. I just have a little role in the graphic design area at the moment. And actually I'll be stepping up as interim or as chair uh, in the next month or so for a two year period. They finally snagged you. Yeah. I remember when I, when I got here, he was like, oh man. I think Sternberger was... He was a deputy chair. Yeah, I think he was yeah. about to come out, and you were like, oh, they're trying to get me to do this. I really don't want to do it. If I, but if I do this, I can delay it for a while. 
But yeah, that plan didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think serving in an administrative role is an important thing. It's just also very difficult. Mm-hmm. And our getting to know our department, it's a very eclectic uh, department that has a lot of nuance to it. And part of the reason people don't want to step up is because they fear making decisions for areas that they don't know that much about. Yeah, so it, right. to be fair to anybody in this situation, it is very difficult. But but I've done thus far, I've been successful in kind of surrounding myself with good, smart people. Paul might, I say might, not just, uh, come back and serve as a an associate chair for a year, mm. kind of to help with the, the transition and Rachel Monday from the music program uh, might serve as well. And we've got area coordinators that are really um, quite smart and very, very helpful. So we're, we're, we're trying to shuffle things so that we can address the many complex issues of the department. So. Is there like a line of succession or is it like every two years department? Well, picks it used they to be like- that um, you could con- continue to serve as long as you really wanted to, as long as you were voted in. Mm -hmm. So Ian Watson served for, I think I'm right in saying, 15, 20 years. Um, And then the the school put a a stop to that. You can now serve for one three-year term or two six, maximum two six-year terms. But you know, you you can negotiate maybe less time. I kind of honestly, uh, see myself more as a bridge to younger faculty. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, the, the, um, it's hard to kind of explain, but I don't see myself as particularly good in this job. Uh, but I can kind of help in the transition, and there are a lot of really great young female faculty members that are coming up right now that are poised to do great things, and and it's really those individuals that will determine the kind of future of the of the department. Mm-hmm. Um, and rightfully so. I just see it as my kind of role to, is to kind of serve them, help them, facilitate them, and stay out of the way as best I can. Can't believe we're talking about this stuff. That's not what I expected. <laughs> the politics. This is just yeah. the ease in. This is the ease yeah. in. Try to warm you up. Slow rollout. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but before we get off of that, is once you become deputy chair, can you ever, once your, your term is finished, that's you don't have to... Is there a limit that you can become the chair again, or? Well, so there's. It's weird. There was a chair and a deputy chair. And now we're trying to organize it so that it's a chair and two associate chairs. Okay. And so that team is more. I don't know. Even in their duties and they're working as a team because again the complexities are so rich that it's hard to understand and or make you know decisions that affect people's lives, you know, their careers, and so you need and want that help. Um, I think the deputy chair position you can is similar to the chair position where you would serve it three years and then you could be voted back in and for another three years for a maximum of six. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know the I don't know the particulars in the about the deputy chair. I do know the chair has a maximum of six years, which makes sense because really what you want is someone to come in serve and roll out in the next wave of young faculty. Everybody's doing service. Everybody's participating at some level. Um, so now it's so it's not just lumped on one person mm-hmm. or s- specific people's backs. Um, and you know, the, I, I think you know we've got a great faculty, um, and I think they just have to be kind of. Uh, it has to be understood that that's part of the new the new normal, so to speak. So. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got another quick one. How long? How long have you been here? To let the to let the people. So know. someone out there can tell me. I started in the fall of '94, mm. so I think that's twenty. I'll be 26, 26, 27, something like that. Yeah. Um, Which it, you know, it's a cliche, but it really feels like it was just yesterday. Mm. Um, And it's, it's amazing. And it's amazing to see how design has changed over the years, how graphic design has changed over the years. When I started, the computer was really just getting its legs, um, you know, and the, the, the programs themselves were, you know, kind of like a, a Bambi, you know, a deer with with weak legs, just getting kind of organized and structured and usable. And you look at kind of software and and the applications today, and it's just light years at where it once was. Does parts of you miss like those years? Oh, of design? terribly, terribly. <laughs> and you know, I I know that sounds nostalgic and old, and um, but but there was something about that world that uh, yeah, not only was I comfortable with, comfortable with, obviously. But it was uh, it was an interesting time um, because print was king. Right now, digital is is king, um, and the tangible was important, and craft was important, and details were important. And I just noticed that it's not better, it's not worse, but the attention to detail now in design is a different kind of. Uh, it's dip, it's more difficult to get to, and it's a difficult difficult kind of environment. Um, and so when you teach things, I think a lot of students don't understand, you know, why am I doing this busy work? Whereas reality from the way I'm teaching it, it's, you know, you're connecting the dots and you are making, you know, God is in the details. When you do something really well at the, on the small layers, I think ultimately the product will be much stronger. I think it's very much like writing you know, um, you know, when you know how to spell and you know how to grammar and you know your sentence structure, which I'm terrible at. But, um, you know, it's it's like writing. It's creating something that's clear and effective. And, and I do miss all those kind of hands on components of graphic design. Were you resistant at first? I don't think I was ever resistant, resistant, but I think I was more realistic or practical, at least in my mind. You know, there was this idea that print was dead and we're, you know, by the year, blah, 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 we're going to have these these kind of ideas that people would explain as, you know, how the future is going to happen and they never really resolve themselves that way. Um, and some things, you know, are true and some things kind of fall by the wayside. I wasn't resistant, but I was always looking for opportunities to kind of fall back on the strengths that I have mm-hmm. within, you know, a revised curriculum. And I think it's really important to either contribute or get out of the way. <laughs> um, you know, you stick around too long and you just become an impediment to growth of the students and growth of the faculty and growth of the program. And I think what I've done, I think is smart. I've um, kind of, as the years have gone by, I've kind of gravitated to the lower classes, the graphic design ones, the graphic design two, um, where I can teach the things that I like and know. And I think it sets them up for um, future growth where they pay attention to the details and, the, and the, how they handle their files and and how they organize and their their work and what the design process is mm-hmm. and what methods will work for them in the future. 
Um, so resistant, no, but but certainly I had a keen eye on how I could contribute and where I should be con- contributing. And what you just said sets the base. That way when they advance to three and four and five and six, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the hope. It doesn't always happen. And I think you guys would agree going through the program that, you know, you're introduced to a concept in a particular class. And it's the hope of the instructor that you absolutely know that. And then in the next class, you're almost expected to. But that's really not fair, right? You're just being exposed to whatever composition or contrast. Mm-hmm. You have to hit, your, you have to hit the, the students again and again and again and again before it really sinks in. So, yeah, you teach them the basics, but, but what happens in the more advanced classes, you say something like contrast, and they start shaking their heads like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember the brief or I remember the way you would explain it. Mm-hmm. And you just try to hit it again and again and again as much as possible. In hindsight, it feels like from you saying that you like to teach the younger students, like it's almost like it's the basics, but I feel like that's like it is basic, but the tr- the secret is oh, this is advanced like learning right here. At least for me, that's what it felt like. Yeah. Like, like not everybody has the opportunity to learn the way we did or whoever had the opportunity to have Ned Drew and GD1 and whoever was on the up the opposite end teaching at the time. But I don't know, it's just interesting. Like I'm not that I miss, but I reminisce on like those moments in classes and even like being a TA, like your TA. I'm just like, yo, I'm like, I feel like I'm like it was like last year. I'm like, all right, I'm a student again. And then when they come to me like that from that, at least from that GD1 class, they were telling me like, oh, we thought you. <laughs> they thought I was like a professor from like that you don't brought in that was like a, a mad genius. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you are. I'm like, no way. Like, I'm I'm the same. I feel like I was I always feel like I'm the same level as everybody else. I'm mm-hmm. just here to learn with them. I mean, I think we've been lucky. Um, and I'm not sure this is how um, a university program should work, if I'm being 100% honest, but we've been lucky in that we've been able to bring back students to teach, yeah. both of you being an example of that. And I say that's not necessarily, you, you really should have a terminal degree to, to teach, mm-hmm. um, but we have highlighted and found opportunities where alumni can come back and teach, and I think what that does I think it's really important to young students to see someone that looks like them is from their background you know you went to school here you did this you went through these these um you went through these projects you know i i think that i think that for me personally that's probably one of the things i'm most proud of it's a little bit difficult because in reality you, you should have a terminal degree you should have an mfa or or equivalent mm-hmm. um but you know again we find the right opportunities to do that and and um you know a lot of the people that have taught for us have gone on to get their graduate degrees or gone on to take those experience to the professional side of design and um there's nothing like being thrown into a class not knowing what you're what the hell you're doing answering class you know you know the the secret is you know that much more than they do mm-hmm. um, <laughs> And, you know, you can't, the reason I like GD1 is you can't be friends with them. Mm. You have to be a kind of a jerk at first. And I know there's going to be half the, half of the students listening to this, half the people listening are going to agree with that. But Makes you, a lot of sense. <laughs> you have to explain that this is a serious pursuit. It's not fun and games. It's not high school anymore. 
And if you're not really willing to put in the time and effort, then maybe you should think about going somewhere else because, and you guys have heard this speech, graphic design is incredibly competitive and mm -hmm. difficult. And there are a lot of graduates out there. And if you think you, because you're a nice person and you have all this talent because your friends and family have told you so, you're just gonna cruise into a you know, position once you graduate. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's rough. It's very, very difficult. It's very, very competitive. Um, so I like laying down the law and being kind of a, 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 Bounty a jerk, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but somebody's got to do it because you, you don't want them to get to their senior year and realize, wow, this isn't for me, you know. And mm -hmm. sometimes I turn students off. I, I'm well aware of that, and it's not necessarily 100% uh, comfortable, but maybe I'm doing a, a favor by if they're, they're not really committed, they, they might go either go elsewhere or pick a different uh, discipline on campus. Right. And what you were calling busy work, we think about it as like practice. It's just practice. Yeah, I mean, I it, think, you know, I have a seven-year-old son, and I say that to him all the time. It's like, he wants to be good at things right from the get-go. I was like, no, you got to practice. Hour of the way. You got to practice. You got to practice. And it's like, I'm 57 years old, and I'm still practicing. And I'm mm. still trying to get it right. And I'm still reading about design history or design theory. Or I'm still learning. I mean, I think this pandemic is has been kind of an eye-opener. And I think Black Lives Matter has been an eye-opener in many, many ways about how we see the world and how we can change the world. And um, it's it's unsettling, but it's also kind of exciting. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I, I, that's kind of a weird statement to make in a pandemic, but it has been, it's like it's given me the ability, although bored to death, to focus on things I'm, I truly care about, you know? I'm kind of getting off topic, but no, no this, this is, is the premise of the show. <laughs> well, okay, then let me just say so I yeah. don't get in trouble. My relationship with my wife and my relationship with my seven-year-old son is dramatically different in the most positive way. You know, it's like, um, and I won't go into details, but obviously, it's just you're you're around them all the time, and it's like I come from a broken family and a distant father, um, and having the opportunity to be with my son. Pfft, worth its weight in gold <laughs> god it's amazing you know driving me crazy but it's amazing so you've been having like flash not flashbacks but your upbringing seeing the duality yeah it's it's um yeah it's difficult to talk about but but um and it's nobody's fault and i'm i'm, I'm going into an area that's i've never really talked about publicly but um yeah it has its effects on you but and, you know, I, so I got married late and I, I got uh, my wife got pregnant when I and had a baby when I was 50, which is, you know, rather late. But I, I kind of always do things slow and and late. Um, that's my M.O. Or at the right time. Uh, or at the right, the right time. time. Yeah. And, but that's what I thought. It's yeah. like, you know, I don't want to make mistake here. I don't want to be part of, you know, people do things for all the right reasons, all the wrong reasons, and I'm not blaming anybody, but you know, in hindsight, I don't have to fall in that pattern. I don't have to, I don't right, have to There's do no that. rule book. No, and, and, and if, I, if I'm healthy enough and feel as though I can do it, um, I can be a, a fun, motivating, run around crazy father. Um, and then so far, so far I have been, you know, I, I, I don't think he lacks for entertainment or, or knowledge or, I take it very seriously. I, I love the responsibility 
and I'm doing everything wrong, and he's going to be... Can you cuss on this? Oh, but yeah. He, uh, he's going to be fucked up, but... <laughs> uh, but I'm doing the best I can, yeah. and I think I'm at a time in my life where um, I could take on that responsibility. Wow, I'm not sure how we got to that. We say that every time we come on here. It's the magic. Damn, throughout all of that, I was like, all right, I think this is the jump in. Then, all right, then this is the jump in for like the two topics that we like discussed I feel like I know. Well, one was he like laid it, he laid it up, <laughs> but he like laid up two of them. Yeah. So I was gonna ask you like, do you want to go? I guess without alluding to him, do you want to start from like the beginning or yeah the now or the be- the beginning part? Yeah, let's do the beginning. All right. So we have the privy to know that I don't. I think I'm pretty sure you were born, but you're from Virginia or the DMV area. Is uh, that the uh, yes. Safe uh, to say. Yeah. Uh, Actiondale or Annandale, Virginia, just okay. outside, inside the Beltway, but outside of Washington D.C. Okay, so we just wanted to like get like a deep, not a deep dive, but like a little, do a little shallow, shallow swimming in your at least what you at least you want to like reveal to the good people out there that um, Ned from back then, and then we'll now. see what we get. Ouch! Uh, Ned back then was uh, a brat. Was, uh, <laughs> Not a very good student, was compulsive, was the world, I mean, the sun revolved around him, um, wild, um, just a real, I I had a lot of fun, but I hurt a lot of people's feelings. Mm. And I don't think I was a mean person, but um, I just had no self-awareness. That, mm. That's probably the best way to explain it. And I just kind of rambled through life doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I didn't have, uh, my, my mom is great. Um, she did the best she could, but I didn't have a whole lot of parental control. I had rowdy friends and uh, and so I was, yeah, I mean, I think all that kind of accumulates, uh, com- combined, um, manifests itself into being a straight C student <laughs> in high school, you know? Um, and it wasn't until um, college in the first couple classes that I took where I got an A where I realized wow I could do this um, this is something I'm good at and something I always did I always drawed I always was um, painting or drawing or um, making or models and stuff um, collecting stamps as as quaint and cliche as it is but it was always I was, yeah, I was always into visual things. and um, But I always saw that as my father was an animator. My stepfather was an animator. My father was an illustrator and designer. Um, and my brother, after high school, started going to a community college and taking art classes. And he really was probably, my brother was probably the most important person in my life about kind of forcing me to continue to do uh, or to take classes in college. And so I was at this community college and I got a couple of good grades and I was like, wow, you know, I could actually do this. And with my brother's encouragement, it was like, you know, let, let's go to Virginia Commonwealth University, which was in state and one of the best schools in the country. I mean, it was great. The, the, the cost was just phenomenal and it had a phenomenal <laughs> faculty. And we were lucky, very lucky to, to get in and to be there. Um, and it was, it was there where I first semester, freshman year, I got an A in a design 
fundamentals like class. And I was just like, wow, I could do this. And that changed my life. And that made me probably more serious. Um, and I think that you would probably agree that those college years can be really, really difficult because you're you're no longer a child. You're now a young adult. And the, 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 the wrestling of responsibilities can be very, very difficult. And I had a very, very difficult uh, time and learned a lot and um, am ashamed of a lot of things and, and, and embarrassed by a lot of things. But it was an exciting time as well. And um, I became more empathetic. I became more... Um, started to realize more about other people's feelings and the, the sun doesn't revolve around me and my ego slowly began to diminish and um, my love of design just exploded. You know, I remember a friend asking me, well, what is graphic design? It's like, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything, man. It's like, you know, I was, I was manic over design, I think, at that time. So that's the time when the self-awareness started coming up around i think so yeah. i think it i don't know if it related to design i think re design can be really beautiful in that way and explain things but I, but i think it was more just um i'm you know i i'm incredibly insecure and so i think it was trying to avoid those insecurities and not being honest with myself about those insecurities and it manifested it in a really loud obnoxious individual that drank too much and you know didn't care about other people's feelings and, uh, you know, again, it's something I'm not very proud of, but it is the truth. Um, and, and, you know, I'm still learning. Um, I'm still trying to understand. And, and, you know, kind of going back to the original question or Drew, it's like my son teaches me on a daily basis. Mm. Like, you know, either he does something that I recognize as being, wow, you know, gosh, that's not, that's not what I want him to know or understand. Mm -hmm. um, or... He teaches me like, wow, you know, a simple thank you or a simple I'm sorry goes a long way. And I just I just didn't have that in me at a certain period in, in my life. And um, I don't think design did that. But I think having a goal and having something you love um, coupled with trying to make mm -hmm. yourself better, you know, it's a long process. I think those things kind of get together um, kind of helped. It was a long process. Yeah, just those <laughs> transitions of now you're in college versus... Well, college and young adulthood and yeah. 20s and I mean, 30s. Yeah. I mean, you know, it took me a long time. I mean, I, you know, if you dig up friends, they'll tell you first, you know, first thing they say is like, yeah, he was kind of a jerk. You know? Mm. Uh, I know Virginia's not that far from where, where we are now, but at any point in college or prior, did you ever think you would live in the East Coast or Northeast? I, like the from metropolitan? a very early young age, wanted to live in New York City. Yeah. And, and I don't even know why, but it was my goal. It represented the gold standard. It represented an urban environment, complexity and richness and uniqueness and uh, diversity. And it's like, I'm an, I, think I, I think I'm right in saying this. I'm, a, I'm an overachiever. Like I, I, I'm not as smart and not as good. And so I have to work doubly hard. And I thought, okay, if I could live in New York, that would kind of prove to myself that I could make it, you know, it's cliche as hell, but yeah. it really is the truth. And so, you know, given the opportunity to teach at Rutgers Newark and commute from New York was, was incredible. And, and also, this is not going to make sense, but I have this vivid memory of kind of walking down a four lane 
street in Annandale, Virginia, or, or highway, street highway. Um, and on the side of the road are those gray gravel rocks mm-hmm. and just kind of walking on them and hearing the noise underneath him and saying to myself, I got to get out of here. Like, that, that, you know, a hot summer day walking two miles in the suburbs from nothingness to nothingness. Just, I got to get out of here. This is not creative to me. This is not interesting to me. And so New York was always kind of the 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 goal. Chicago is another great city that I would jump at the chance of, of moving to. Um, but the, the suburbs, I was having a discussion with my wife. No offense to the suburbs, but when I'm in the suburbs, part of me dies. Mm. I, I don't know how mm. to explain it, but I... I <laughs> And you guys have heard me say this. It's like, I don't particularly like people, so I'm not sure why I like being in the city. But I like being, I knowing there's a lot of people around. I don't have to interact with them. But there's, there's always something of, happening. There's always something happening, yeah. And if I want an opportunity or I strive for an opportunity, I could probably find it there. Um, maybe all of this is kind of a naive way of looking at New York, but I'm both very proud and kind of humbled that I am raising a child in the city. It's a, it's a remarkable experience, I think. You're a product of that. Yeah. It's like we're sort of like the op- like the opposites, being born in the city, then living in the suburbs. Yeah. This latter pa- part of my life right now. The suburbs is cool. Not, not that the suburbs is not cool, but it's cool. Like, especially being from the city, like, just having the opportunity to, like, get away from the buzz yeah they're all and, like, and yeah there are i think it, anybody who's listening or anybody would agree that there are plus and minuses for the, a rural area a suburban area and an urban area i just know for myself and that's the that's the key thing here i'm not suggesting that the others don't match up because they do but for me um the, the key area is is the urban environment it just excites me visually Mm-hmm. You know, and it can be just the the way <laughs> gum kind of sticks to the sidewalk or trash or, you know, it's like I find beauty in those things. It's something stimulating. Yeah, for me it is. For me it is. And I think what you said about the buzz is true. It's like the problem with the urban environment is it can just be overwhelming, you know, completely right. overwhelming. And at times it's like, God, I got to get out of here. You know, ask me in August 10th. You know, when it's 104 <laughs> degrees and New York sideways are melting. Sticking to the chair. Sidewalks are the melting. dog days. Yeah, it's like it's the dog the days. The dog days, yeah. For sure. But, you know, boy, those fall and spring days where you wake up and it's, it's just there's nothing like it. But, but you know, everybody's got to find their kind of niche and or their, like, I, I think people would say, well, Manhattan, what are you talking about? Brooklyn is where you need to be. And others would say, what are you talking about? You got to be out in the rural areas. You know, everybody's got to find their niche. Um, and I think it's kind of important to, to do that. It, it, it does become kind of financially very, very difficult at times. Um, you know, I'm, I don't make a whole lot of money and I, I'm not a rich person. So, um, you know, you have to make sacrifices. And I have, you know, family members that do not understand that at all. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? Why would you do that? It's because it makes me happy. And that's, the, I think, the key is to kind of find your happy spot, you know, suburb, urban, rural, wherever it may be. The thing that struck me, what you said a little, a little while ago, you were saying you like used to be you you used to be like a wild man, like in Virginia a little bit, like hurting people and 
stuff like that. Just no self awareness. Yeah. And partying too much and yeah. But then you were saying you had like you saw like you said you were suffering like insecurity. Do you feel like that when you were when you were acting like that back then, was that like you trying to like fight those insecurities? Like no, I can't let nobody see that. Fight them or mask them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean I used to joke that, you know, you could find my personality in the bottom of a of a of a Budweiser bottle, you know, it's like, you know, it's just, it was my, I don't know, it's my way of um, being more of a man, I guess. I don't know. I could, I'm a really good drinker. <laughs> I was, I'm not sure if I am anymore, but I was. And, and it was, honestly, it was something I was kind of proud of, you know, and, and perversely, but, but um, yeah, it was either hiding or masking or overcoming, trying to overcome, overcome those insecurities. And, um, you know, insecurities, it's, God, for anybody out there, they can be crippling and you don't know how to wrestle with them. You don't know how to fight them. You don't know how to, un and sometimes you have, to, this is not an excuse, but sometimes you have to be an, a jerk to mask those feelings. But when you're hurting other people in the process, boy, that's just uncool. Um, and so I'm ashamed of those things and it's it's rather difficult to talk about, but, but it, the truth is it's like, it does get better the more you think about yourself, the more you think about yourself in, 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 in relationship to others and your, your relationships to family members and stuff. Swallowing your pride and saying you're sorry and saying thank you and saying I love you. I think those become kind of important lessons. And, and, and again, it, this took years. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, but, um, but yes, masking and or um, as a way of uh, shielding feelings rawness did any peer at that time call you out i i had a great and do have a great friend richard cress who um was really calm cool and collected for many many years i mean he saw me uh so he saw everything he saw everything. <laughs> Ned, the movie. <laughs> yeah i mean um and he was very very supportive and is still very very supportive uh and i love him and um i can't thank him enough i mean i think there were a lot of people that saw good in me you know, when I didn't, um, and um, I don't know if this makes sense, but you know, at 22, I don't care about the good side of me. I care about the frantic, crazy party animal. What can I do next? Kind of. You just want to feel. Yeah. Just, you know, and and so it's like nice. Well, I, you know, I'm not sure about that, but yeah, it exists. And it, but you know, it's like push that way down. You know, um, but yeah, uh, I had a I had a bunch of good people that. Um, you know, relationships with women that were um, very helpful. Uh, and again, I, I probably messed up in every relationship I had until finally I met the right person and, and got married. But yeah, scorched earth at times <laughs> and, and, and not knowing. Like, you know, you <laughs> burn a bridge, you're kind of conscious of that. No self-awareness. You wouldn't even know. No, wow. I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I feel like somebody like not metaphors, but like similar, not similar for me, but like I guess like in pop culture, like is I'm, I'm pretty hopefully not even I'm pretty sure you're not that bad. It's almost like Jackson Pollock. Does it ever seem like you have like if you ever saw like the film like that? Ed yeah, Harris and did, the, like, Ed Harris did a great job. I mean, that's an amazing film, one of my favorites. Yeah, no, I mean, I this, I can't this. compare myself because he's. Jackson Pollock and Jackson Pollock's one of my heroes uh, in his work, not necessarily his life, but mm -hmm. yeah, at a at a, a smaller, yeah, you know, gosh, yeah, actually very similar. Um, I Riding don't a bicycle, you drop all the bus, yeah, oh yeah, or <laughs> down the road, yeah, or other things. Um, 
he it seemed like when he got drunk he the evil person came out of him and mm-hmm. he attacked um, Krasner his wife and you know and, and others and it, that I I recognize that in family members uh, which I shouldn't really go into but but I've seen that personally when people uh, use alcohol as a coping mechanism and then they get very angry and bitter and and lash out and so that movie kind of struck home with me mm. I don't know if I struck out but I again I don't know if I would have the self-awareness mm-hmm. um, I was a I think this is fairly true. I, I, I think this is fair to say. I was a coward in a lot of my relationships. I let them die rather than confront them. Mm. I let them fade away rather than say, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want this type of relationship. And I was a coward, absolute coward. Um, and again, not something I'm terribly um, proud of. Um, but but the truth is, I thought we were going to talk about design. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, but, you know. Um, Got him. But can I say this? Um, if you work hard enough at it, and I don't think I'm a particularly nice person or good person, but if you work hard at it, the insecurities, you begin to be able to deal with them better and in more appropriate ways. You learn to face them and, and, and address them rather than hide them and mask them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's, I don't think this is too grandiose of a, Statement, that's what it means to be a man. Face them head on. Uh, as best you can. And as a father, that's what I want my son to do. Yeah. Um, I don't want him to have those insecurities, but he's going to. We all do, right? Yeah. It's just, how do you deal with them? How do you, how do you work with them, through them, rather than hide from them and run away? Like, don't be ashamed of them. Like, embrace it. I think having a support system... It's definitely yeah. one thing, and he has that. Yeah, and you know, you, if you ramp this up and you think about where we are as a society and having a mom and dad, a stable mom and dad is, is I know it sounds naive, but it's a critical thing. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but it, it's a critical thing, and I don't want to mess that up. I'm, you know, I am in a great relationship. I have a wonderful wife that's incredibly supportive. And a great son, and it's like I'm—I know how lucky I am. I know how lucky I am, um, and I don't want to mess that up. And and again, it's like kind of like with design, you know, you got to work hard at it. It—it's it, it, a love, you know, it's something you fall in love with, but you got to work hard at it, and it's not always enjoyable, and it's not oh, not always um, noticed by others. Mm-hmm. You know. I can't tell you the amount of time I've spent in Bradley Hall at three in the morning by myself <laughs> because I love it, not because I had to do it, because I love to do it. Mm. You know? So finding something that you can do that you love, wow, that's a gift. And that kind of goes back to graphic design one, you know, trying to just let people know this is really difficult, guys so if you, and gals, if you don't understand this to be something that is uh, you know, in your wheelhouse or something you're interested in, well, you might want to look elsewhere. Yeah. Because uh, you're not going to be, maybe you are, maybe there's that one in a million chance that you're going to be a millionaire and make all this money, but, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, I, I'm rambling here, but I wake up in the morning excited to go into school and teach or talk about design. And I, again, I know how fortunate I am that I get to sit around with young, exciting, talented, smart people and tar- talk design. I mean, what? And I get paid for it. Like, what a gift. 
Like that's crazy. So, so it's funny to jump back to jump to that, like being at Bradley three AM as a professor. Like with those, those I guess those were those moments. But like, I, mean, I don't know how it came up, but somebody was. I think somebody was looking at was like walking in the staircase. I was like, yo, these colors are amazing. Oh, and then yeah. somehow it like got back to you. It was like, yeah, I did that. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how, you were, <laughs> well, we had, some life. They had to paint the 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 stairwells yeah and i said well okay if we have to paint them can we do it with a little kind of interesting color and so originally it was going to be more primary colors and it turned out to be a faded blue and a faded green and a faded yellow a nice orange mm-hmm. which was supposed mm. to be red <laughs> but it was kind of like okay if we have to do this let's do this in a really interesting way and really actually bob shout was was really instrumental in that and kind of focused all that and no the colors aren't exactly what i would want i want them to be more interesting but still they're kind of it's kind of cool to come around a corner and and see a really dark gray and a light gray and a green and it's not it's not just a stairwell i don't i don't know if anybody else cares about that but uh, somebody did oh yeah you know I'm just like, why is this so different than anything else? Yeah. In the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How is the staircase the most interesting thing in this building? Everywhere else is just beige and cold. Yeah. Well, that's institutional. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And wholesale, right? If I can buy this carpet and I can <laughs> buy tons of it and put it in every room, yeah, it's cheaper. Cheaper to buy the dozen, so to speak. But Bradley is, uh, I, I, I have a really soft spot for Bradley. I love Bradley. Um, it's a. Uh, it's an old beat-up building. I think it was a book depository building. I think there were two of them, actually, uh, in the, in the, where the parking lot out front is for Prudential. Um, and, you know, ever since I've been here, it's, it, it used to be worse. It, it looked, <laughs> the outside was really <laughs> falling apart. And, and I think what the school did is basically covered, wrapped it to make it look better, but the insides haven't changed, you know? <laughs> Except for the drywall and the configuration, it's, it's still what it is, asbestos tiles and bad carpet. But, but I love it, you know, it's, it's cool. You still see a stain from 96. Have right. to. Have to. Right, exactly. Like, before, all right, what, like the, I guess like the last thing about, and then I have one more. Yeah, like from you, one, like you, like, oh, I, I gotta get to the city. I gotta be there. Like, how much of it was, I'm sort of like tying this into like, I remember mean, you came to me, like I was in Virginia, I was back in Virginia. I think you said you was in Richmond. And you was like, I saw like the Confederate flag just flying high down there. Like how much of it is like Virginia's history, like that ties into like, it's just ate at you. Like, was, was that ever a thought in your head? Like, 1619, this is where, I guess, like, this country's sin and beginning Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's been a learning process, and, and I think it'd be naive, or I think it'd be disingenuous to say otherwise. But, um, you know, I don't think I hated Virginia because of its racist past. Yeah. Um, if I'm being 100% off it, honest, I think it was the humid summers that just killed me um but it was just you know for me it's it's i I think there is something about new york city that does feel like it's a melting pot yeah and i embrace that and want to learn from that and 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 humbled by that on a daily basis and navigating that world was i thought a more i don't know cosmopolitan more (laughs) urbane kind of existence whereas i as much as I love parts of Virginia, I, I, you know, it isn't. It isn't. And it's past. 
I think it's kind of caught up to me as I've been living in New York. And it's like, you know, um, it's not that you look the other way. You're completely aware of it. But it, it's weird. It's like, um, it's like the Confederate flag at, at, at NASCAR. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and taking it down. Like, of course that was the right thing to do. Why didn't we do that 40 mm-hmm. years ago? You know, um, but honestly, I, I, I think um, it, it, I wasn't running from that. Yeah, yeah. But I was running more towards, if, if that makes any sense. Um, now that I'm up here and I look back at it, it's like, yeah, it, it hurts. It hurts a great deal. It's, it's shameful, personal shame, um, family shame, um, the way I grew up, the things we all said and did. Um, you know, it, it's hurtful. Yeah. It hurt others. And for that, I'm really, really uh, ashamed and sorry for. Um, but, but, I, but I do think, uh, if this makes sense, and if I can, if, and tell me if it doesn't make sense, but you can learn and you, and you can move forward. And it's like, I put myself in a position where I am teaching the most diverse, on the most diverse campus in the country. And I love it. I mean, I remember my father saying to me, you know, if you could be anywhere, where would you be? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm you know, there already. I'm there. I'm here. <laughs> because I feel like I'm teaching. And, you know, I know what it was like to get that first a in that class that's that little design fundamentals and for some of my students it's like it's the first time they've had affirmation that they mm. are smart they are good they can do mm-hmm. they will do and that boy is that's an explosion i mean both of you represent kind of different sides of the coin your craft and graphic design to heed your craft and graphic design one was terrible but it never allowed you to stop getting in my face and asking more questions you were thirsty for knowledge, and it was like, "All right, man, I'm gonna throw out, I'm gonna throw a curve and see what happens." And you would always come back, and I knew, not that I had you, but that design had you. It was, you, it was hooked in you, you know. And your voice moving forward can change the world and change the way we think about design and so forth. And you know, you came in as a transfer student, and there was some resistance. But it was actually, and then you kind of slowly started to realize that, yeah, he's kind of being a jerk, but he's doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it just because I'm a jerk, although a lot of people would agree <laughs> with that statement. Um, but that there's kind of a, a reason why I was trying to uh, kind of break you of, of habits, so to speak. And um, teaching affords you that... Um, but it's a double-edged sword because I know there are a lot of graduates from the program that probably dislike the way I taught or dislike me. And, you know, I understand that. But honestly, I sleep really well at night knowing that I push people as far as they I think I can. It is needed. I wonder if that just comes, not just, but a part of it comes just from the discomfort that they felt. But not knowing, like, that's what you said is right. I remember having that discussion with classmates. Like, I, I think I said one time, the last thing I need is some man fucking yelling at me you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning. But I understand why why he's doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uncomfortable. It's um, I don't know if this is true, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I do. Um, design is not art. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are related. They, they share. They are inspired by each other. But the difference is, is is design is meant for 
the broader communication of an idea. And so a lot of the personal has to, or the, the subjective has to be kind of either used in an effective way or managed. And that can be difficult for people that have never been told that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, I, I want to be an artist and I'll do design because, um, you know, I can get a job afterwards. Mm. You hear that all the time. And it's like, okay, but you're not going to be successful at it. I'm very proud to say I'm a designer. And I'm very proud to say I'm a problem solver, whatever, no matter how small those little problems are. But that's kind of the world I live in. And, you know, for my students, if they don't, then we there will be friction. It's not that they're wrong. Yeah. It's just I think in my mind's eye that they should at least experience the other side and be and be challenged. Mm-hmm. And if they prove me wrong, God, wouldn't that be great? So there might be people out there that have graduated through the program that are like, you know, well, Ned's wrong, and I showed him da da da. And I'd love to hear about those things. It's not that I don't appreciate those. It's just I think I'm trying to to teach towards not the most experienced and, and, and um, talented student, and not the least, but somewhere in the middle, a sweet spot where mm. everybody has an opportunity. I mean, I believe in education, and I believe that education is a, is a game changer in one's life. It changed, radically changed my future. I was destined, I don't know what I would have become, um, and I can't do anything else. Um, but it radically changed my life. And so when I, when I walk into the classroom, I kind of feel like that's my role. That's, that's my... It's your platform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To touch and move others in your And, yourself. and you know, make things uncomfortable. And, but it's, Push them. Yeah. I have one of those funny... It wasn't for me, but I have one of those funny moments. Like, you see it as like you being like an asshole. But I was just like, yo, what is this? Like... <laughs> I re- <laughs> oh great we're gonna talk about one I, of the- I remember one, <laughs> one moment you were there was a kid his phone was ringing and we already know that if you've been in next class turn your phone off turn your phone off you don't you don't want to see it backpack. hear it it's like you're going to court like i don't put it on vibrate or something but his phone kept ringing and he he answered he was he was getting ready to answer it He's like oh it's my employer and blah, blah, blah. and you just roared like i don't give a Fuck who it is! Like this is my like this is my time. That like, he went and he just and he just kept pushing. Went and went out, answered the phone call. I was like, oh shit! Yeah, he comes that, back and you were like, went right back. Like it was in the middle of a critique. They came back and you, you asked him a question. Like nothing happened. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. What was that? Well, think about it this way. Like, and maybe this will change, and maybe it should change. But you know, you're you've got a, a a design job, and you're in the middle of a meeting, and some you're answering your phone, or you know, you've got a nine to five job, which is not the worst thing in the world, you know, and and you're there, and you're getting constantly texting. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're there to do a job, and and I think I maybe am a little over the top about all this, but it is disrespectful, not only to me, but to the other students. You're Mm -hmm. breaking the concentration and the flow of the class. And is it really that difficult to turn your phones off for three (laughs) hours? I don't think so. You know, it's like, I do it. I think my students can do it. Um, With, you know, with that said, you know, I think this is true. I think the lives of Rutgers University Newark students are super, super complex. And sometimes there needs to be leniency and sometimes there needs to be a, a broader perspective. And it's very, very difficult for students to get me to that point 
and maybe that's a failing on my part like you know there's a family emergency or stuff like that but um you know as time has gone by i i you know maybe a little bit more lenient but boy it's really (laughs) irritating when you know you're in the middle of a critique and somebody a student is talking you look over and somebody's looking down at their phone like really you know this person is trying to help you this person is trying to articulate something that's important they are trying to get better at what they do and you might learn something from them and that's what school is about not texting on your phone or or. Um, with that said I've had some classes that have been very lenient uh, with me because I have a you know a son he was five or you know two or three and daycare was kind of a problem and an issue and stuff so they were kind of you know guys if I answer something it's because of this Mm -hmm. so it's give and take and it it has softened but I think the intent is still correct. Personally. Like, always never sort of like a bad thing. I always felt, cause I, at least for me, I was like, I know this person's time is like limited and he has like a million other things that he could he could be doing and things people that want to pull him in their direction. But like those like outbursts, I'm like, yeah, this guy cares. Like, yeah. he wants to be here to help and teach us. And I was like... Okay, but let me just, let me say this. Um, Teaching is the world's greatest job, and don't let any professor tell you otherwise. <laughs> and they can bitch and complain about all the things they have to do. Yeah. Then um, that's fine, but their lives are great. <laughs> Trust me. And, you know, but when I step into a classroom, it's like the outside world disappears. And yeah, the I'm lights on. I give myself over as much as I can to those that are willing to hear it. And again, the older I'm getting, the less relevant. Maybe I am, but but I think I still have a lot to give, and and I am passionate about it. Um, and I, I again, I just don't think it's that crazy to, of a request to turn off your phone. So, yeah. No, especially no, nobody. I, I think this is fair. Nobody can accuse me of not caring. For sure, I care. Right? Yeah, a lot of other things they probably <laughs> write about. <laughs> I remember another one they, I heard. They were like, "Yo, he." <laughs> I think a student went to the bathroom in the middle of a critique. <laughs> but their work was up. Their work was on the board. And he was like, once he was counting off one to three. And then you look at them like, hold up, who's missing? Where like I see the work, but where's the face at? He did a head count. <laughs> they like, oh, I think she went to the bathroom. And then like not too long after that, did you marching marching off to go find them? Like, get your ass in here. Well, I mean, you, you from wrong. She wasn't going to the bathroom. She she was probably either this is you guys are well putting money in the meter, mm-hmm. which is the you know, the tell the the, the, the you know all, always the excuse. I'm putting money in the meter, or they needed to go call somebody, mm-hmm. or they needed to go down and get something. You know, it's never the bathroom. Like Okay, I'm dyslexic. I'm sorry, not dyslexic. I am dyslexic. I am I am diabetic, and I and I I suffer from uh, celiac. And I don't have to go to the bathroom, you know. And I should. So it's like, come on. And, like and if anybody and, needs the bathroom, and what is wrong me. with just saying, "Hey, gosh, I got to go to the bathroom." Raise your hand, and you know, I don't really want to micromanage them, but I also don't want to feel as though. You know, the cats have escaped. It's like yeah. hurting cats. And it's like, if it's somebody going to the bathroom, my God, they should go to the bathroom. No question about it. But it's nine out of ten times it's not that. And we should really move on from that subject because it, because I think going to the bathroom is a human right. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to be known as, If oh, they were that. using the bathroom. Right, right. Yeah, I've had somebody ask me. I said, well, why, why are you asking me? Go, yeah. Just, just go, go to the bathroom. They're, they're trying to sell that they're really using the bathroom. Right. 
Yeah, and that's where maybe being too dogmatic or inflexible can backfire on you because, you know, my God, of course go to the bathroom. Yeah. Of course, you know, um, and again, I, you know, I think it's a learning process and yeah, I've been teaching for 20 something years, but it's like, I'm, I'm able to understand the situation a little bit better. And, and, um, I mean, you can tell when a student is really, you know, physically upset mm-hmm. and you know, that that's when you want to, you know, you don't, take them out in the hallway and say listen is there something wrong do you want to do you need to leave da, 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 da. and those things should happen and, and you, you, again it's self-awareness right um just i think most people that are, say they're going to the bathroom are going to the bathroom right take a little trip right <laughs> a little trippy was there ever something that happened or scenarios that happened early yes. early on <laughs> early on in your teaching that uh I don't know were interesting or you were like not prepared for maybe all of it you weren't prepared for but i don't know something significant uh yeah i mean i i, I can't think of any one thing but i i think um you know the we were talking about this earlier the insecurities i think in the first couple of years that i was teaching my insecurities were just uh, out of control and um, coupled with um uh, an overachiever uh, of, you know, the fraud system uh, uh, syndrome of teaching. I'm not worthy. I can't believe I'm here. I'm at a university, a great university with all these PhDs and why the hell am I here? So I completely thought I was a fraud way over my head. Um, you know, the, the, the first couple of years were really, really, really difficult. I had a great mentor. He was very helpful, Frank DeStafo. Um, but... Boy, man, talk about mistakes. But I, again, I guess if you're willing to to own up to the mistakes, acknowledge them, uh, think about them anew, um, and and prepare yourself to be better, I, I I I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I think the thing that the two things that kept me going as an effective teacher was my passion, and I worked very hard. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I, I say this all the time. I'm not the smartest person nor the most talented, but I. I I rarely am outworked, um, either physically or, or just in my, you know, my capacity to, to design. Um, I just, I, I'm kind of tenacious. Very similar to my older brother, again, the guy that kind of pulled me out of suburbia. Um, but I made a lot of mistakes, you know. I could, uh, I was really dogmatic or thinking I was doing the right thing and I wasn't. Mm. Um, but, you know, and, you, and teaching is like, you're just never prepared for the every day is different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every student has, you know, stories about their teacher. Every teacher has stories about their students, which I will not repeat. But no. some wild things happen, you know, and, and things you are completely uh, caught off guard, from. caught off guard from. Yeah. Un- unexpected. Um, but again, it's like you kind of put that in your bag of understanding and you use it at, in the next time. Um, just last fall so not this spring but last fall um, I was in a class and I took somebody's work down and folded it cropped the image you know isolation of the sign making an image stronger Mm -hmm. uh, making it less complex focusing on the 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 intent of that sign and I was trying to show that but I did it in a way that I think was really um you know, lacked empathy or lacked any kind of, she became embarrassed, I think. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was driving home that I kind of realized, oh, wow, 
I did that. Mm. I need to apologize. I need to send her an email. Send her an email. And she was great. She's like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't take offense. It was no big deal. Didn't even think about it. But but sometimes I think you have to apologize even when an apology maybe isn't expected or yeah, because I think it's be important clear. for the student to know that they have certain rights or certain um, responsibilities and that the teacher isn't always right, mm. you know, and, um, and, and that kind of just bolsters the idea that it's the critique that really is the mo- most important thing. You know, 18 talking heads are better than just me talking to them. So I think it's a combination of, of really bad uh, assumptions and, uh, pre- you know, being prepared and uh, uh, early on and every year it gets better and better and better. That makes sense. Does the classroom ever feel like, like a like a stage for you, like an arena? Like I just said, like this is my moment, the garden, and I got I'm performing. And I dropped sixty tonight. <laughs> not not really, but there are times where I think this is true. Uh, whatever, I'm dyslexic, but I think it goes further than that. Like in the mornings, I'm really good. I'm I'm on fire. I can <laughs> Come I can connect high. sentences. <laughs> Me like design, and then as the day goes on, I I tend to get worse and worse and worse. But there are some times I come out of design history and. I just, I was on fire. Like, I just felt really good about talking about this design because it's something I love. And then there's other times it's like, Jesus, I was horrible, mm-hmm. you know? And and I get nervous before every class, mm. really nervous before every class. Still takes, do? Yeah, still do. Uh, takes me about 10 minutes the to get into it. Um, and, you know, so, so, so when I walk into a classroom, all right, everybody, pin up. You know, I'm kind of buying time to get acclimated to the mm-hmm. environment. And then, you know, I see everybody put their, 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 their designs up. And, you know, there's 17 students and there's 17 designs. And it's like I start to relax. And, but when they're 16 or 15, it's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> really? You couldn't do, you just couldn't do, you know, some work. Mm-hmm. What, what, you know, and that, so that, that beginning part is really kind of nerves and stuff. And, um, Rather than yelling, it's like, okay, who doesn't have their work? Why don't you have your work? Make sure you have your work. Um, and hopefully, you know, by the end of the semester, people know what they're responsible for and there isn't any kind of screaming or yelling or some of the things that you were alluding to earlier. It's like, um, it's a more mature uh, way of approaching it. And then again, it's like maturity, insecurities, and self-awareness. You know, it's like having control or understanding of this, those things. I'm 57 and I'm still learning. <laughs> There's no question about it. I don't know, man. Well, I don't, I don't know. Just the way I am. I enjoy those like hard ass moments. Like as much as like some people don't want them. It's just like, it makes you appreciate what you're doing more. At least for me, like, like I know at least when he was teaching it and he was here when Samer was doing printmaking, I just mean before I even took it, people were just like, oh, it's that's a difficult class. Who, who was Samer? It? Yeah, Samer. They were like, oh, that's a difficult class. Samer. <laughs> like, that's a difficult class, man. I'm like, all right. I'm like, get in there. I get in and get out. I'm like, then I, then I think then when he left, then when he left us to do better things, bigger things for himself. Mm-hmm. Just graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in visual communication. Mm, Shouts to the Huskies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then when, uh, not against, like, not against anybody who ever teaches that class after him, like, I'm like, y'all won't appreciate it the way I, like, me and everybody else that took that class under him. It's like, 
this probably this guy's a fucking right. They weren't under the fire. I walked yeah. in with my my fist clenched <laughs> just in case. I'm like, but but have you ever been in a class where it's a relaxed, open environment and people are kind of serious but also having a good time and yeah, that's and discussing. Too. That's yeah, and and I can't teach that way, and so <laughs> uh, that is important to have. And that's where I think we're very lucky in yeah. that, you know, I'm rounded out by uh, Rebecca Jampol and Chantel Fishsang and Jennifer Bernstein and Manny Cacciatore and Carrie Rosen and Bob Schaub and others, Paul Sternberger. And it's like, you know, it's when I was in undergrad, there were these kind of two factions in the in the <laughs> faculty, um, kind of a modern and a postmodern or uh, I won't get into the what we called them but basically two opposing <laughs> ways of teaching and you could kind of pinball pin, pinball yourself back and forth and absorb what you thought Get was both. important right and so no one way is uh, no one way is important or no one way is correct um, but you have to be true to who you are or it comes off as just being militant or um, or you know ineffective or but, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> Samer is kind of a, a good example. It's like, you know, I, uh, I love Samer. He's awesome. And we see eye to eye on a lot of things. But we differ, too. But, yeah, of course. But, you know, so there's those people that, like, I think Manny Cacciatore has a really kind of open environment that mm-hmm. I like. I like sure. very much. And I like working with him. And I like teaching with him. And I like uh, talking to him. He's just a good person. I, I just, I, maybe it's my insecurities don't allow me to have that kind of environment in the class. I don't know. But yeah, so it's it's in you know in each class people are going to gravitate to oh I hate that teacher mm-hmm. or oh, I like that teacher and it's like you know look at your student evaluations Ned's awesome blah blah Ned's terrible and needs psychotherapy and <laughs> they're probably you know there's a you throw those things out and you kind of go to the middle and that's probably where where the reality lies. Mm-hmm. Got anything or no I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> I guess to try to like to bring it home here, one other thing that, that we wanted to like get into topic was off air, like a week prior, you had brought up like, oh yeah, have y'all watched the Jordan documentary, like The Last Dance? Yeah, that's and awesome. And this yeah. and that. I just wanted to like, like talk about, not like him, but like I guess the traits of him or somebody like him, like him when like, I think towards the latter episodes, him like, if you can't be on my level and what I'm trying to achieve here, just Move. get the fuck out yeah. the way. I admire that. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if that's fair, but I admire that. And I think it hurt. You know, obviously he gets he gets choked up at one point where he's talking about um, relationships or how he treated people um, or how people. Think yeah, his of him. perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think he paid a dear price for that. Um, I w- it would have been nice, honestly, if he had treated Pippin differently. Oh, you was one of those that felt that way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like how the like, show perceived him. Oh, come on, man. It's like every time it was Pippin did something wrong. And it, not every time because there was a lot. But it was like, and I think Jordan says it, and I would just like to see more evidence of it in not only him, but other people saying this, that without Pippin, he wouldn't have done it. So it's like even Jordan admits it. But just I think the way the narrative of the some of the things, they, they undermined um, you know the the migraine, the the, the contract. Um, yeah, it, Pippin had a role in all those things, no question about it. But um, everybody makes mistakes. 
uh, and everybody isn't perfect. And um, I guess maybe except for Jordan, I don't know. He he seemed perfect, didn't he? <laughs> I, I I I don't know anything about him outside outside yeah. or off the court, but on the court, yeah, he's a he's a total role model. Um, I I could never be. I would only I could only dream of being that successful in my craft. Yeah, and and you know just tenacious. Um, I do this to my son, but <laughs> fingers po- po- poking the eyes, and you know, I got my eyes on you. Mm. Um, but it was it was it was a great documentary because that was such an amazing time. I get uh, there's another thirty for thirty that's really good, and it's about the O.J. Simpson car chase and the Arnold Palmer. You don't like that one? No. no. This, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We just got done talking about it in a previous episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I June really. 17th. Yeah, yeah, and it just, that day, I remember I was in okay, a. Five NBA finals. Yeah, I was working on my thesis in Washington, D.C., mm. at home on a Friday night with the game in the background <laughs> and stuff. And it just. So you, and, you recall. You remember yeah, when God, they switched it, over. It was insane. And you're just like, yo, what the fuck is going yeah. on here? And, and but not only that, I mean, um, not only that, but and I think the documentary does a really good job because it's like all in a day's event, these things happen. But the Knicks and the Bulls, oh my God, like that was such a great rivalry, like just mano y mano, like Oakley, oh, he was awesome. God, he was awesome. Like just you know, really wasn't a basketball player, more of a linebacker. You know, I loved it. I loved watching him play. Yeah, and it's like I had a really soft spot for Ewing. Um, I'm from the well, DC Georgetown. area, Georgetown, and and I wanted to see him win. It's just uh, that that basketball. Maybe it was uh, unproductive, or but it was very very physical, and I just I loved watching it. It's maybe it's a little like gladiator, or even like the way hockey used to be. That mm-hmm. you know maybe it's not appropriate that we look at the car accident and slow down. Um, but I really like that kind of basketball. And so the Jordan documentary kind of took me back to that. And he was awesome. And, and you know, not that I know what I'm talking about, LeBron James maybe is even better, but he doesn't live in the same environment. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think that environment and the, and the multiple people, physical, okay, I'm going to get myself in trouble. But Stephen Curry, I can't stand <laughs> the way he plays basketball. And it's Too not safe? That, no, it's great. And he's figured out that as a small individual with mm. great hand, sky, hand coordination, I can tear up the league. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not the old school way I know. Like in high school, we had this game for before wrestling practice where we would kind of lather up. We would we would play basketball, and we were so Neanderthal wrestlers. We couldn't dribble, so you didn't have to. Our game was you just had to get close to the rim. It was like rugby. It was like rugby (laughs) basketball. Bully ball. Just get to the paint. There was something about that was, you know, teenagers. It was kind of fun. But boy, um, that basketball was just, it was amazing. And it's it's weird. I think we talked about this. Um, You don't realize what you have until it's gone. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, wow, man, those were amazing days. I definitely had that moment because I before the doc maybe just me just being a a Nick fan like and but like no, fuck Jordan no I'm not yeah. rolling with him at all yeah. along with just like his outside personality and how he is and off the court stuff but I think I think I was maybe before the doc came on I watched because I never had watched the '98 Game Six 
in Utah, but like in from start to finish before. Yeah. I'm like, all right, he hit the shot. But I'm watching this game. Pittman goes out. He's hurt the first play of the game. Yeah. Then he leaves the first half. Doesn't come back to the second. But he's just a body out there. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I just watched this guy gun down this team in Utah with arguably, at least both at that time, the greatest point guard of all time yeah. and the best power forward. Yeah. And he just, I'm not gonna. You're not going to beat me. Yeah, that's amazing. And playing eighty-two plus plus Olympics. It's like there's no with, break. With then now with our own knowledge of it, with the GM being an asshole. Oh, you going into the last year knowing Phil is gone, knowing like, like they all knew this was it. Yeah, and still like at that like I think they had even said there was like if y'all knew if like if they if you know not, this doesn't matter, you just mail it in. Like, what's it matter? But they were on a mission. And, and I felt really good for Chicago, right? Because it's always, you know, the Celtics and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like Chicago, second city. It, it, Jordan was perfect for Chicago and, and the Bears at the time, too. It's just a, it's a, a really intense physical game that was just it's remarkable, just absolutely remarkable. And I, I miss that very, very much. Um, I'm not proud of this, but I am a sports fan, and I am a, a ESPN fanatic, and mm-hmm. uh, it relaxes me. It's not the news because the news is just horrible, it's hectic, <laughs> and 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 you know, gut wrenching and anxiety ridden and stuff. And so I always tend to to gravitate towards um, ESPN, and and I think it's cliche and ridiculous to think that sports are important, especially in the world we live in. But for me, it's it's something that I grew up with and I don't think there is anything more more waste of time than pro football yet I'm addicted to it (laughs) yeah I just think it's totally a waste of time and college football is probably even worse and I love college football even more and so it's it's a I'm admitting to this um it's a colossal waste of time um most of my friends do not especially in academia they are not football fans and so I, I kind of uh, am a, a closet football fan but I grew up with it I, I, I mm-hmm. it's ingrained in me it's like every Sunday was not for church Sunday was for the, the, the Washington Redskins and can we end it this way Dan Snyder change the name get on the right side of history like my god how 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 long do we have to wait mm. for him to do the right thing? Or just sell. In sell. In sell, sell team. Sell. Or He's the- think about this. He changes the name. Think of all the rabid fans that are going to go buy the new apparel. He'll make a mint. Like, That's what, like they're part of history. That's yeah. like exactly what confuses me. Stuff like that. Even like before, at least now. I mean, he's still not signed. But I was like, what are they worried about Kaepernick for? Even like I'm not worried about the money, but like, can I? I was like, ima- like imagine the team that signs him, the merch you're gonna sell. I'm like, this is y'all. yet none of them, none of them will, and they're they're. I'm sorry, but just stop but being a coward. Yeah, cowards. exactly. Like what are you? Like why are y'all so afraid? Yeah. Like you said, like stop wanting. Like this is them wanting to be on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. Like. But now, but now that's, a good, like, that's a really good way of putting it. They want to be on the wrong. Yeah, like side. they enjoy. Like no, you enjoy yep. this. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's to say, you know what? We well, I guess Goodell. I guess he did. I don't know. You know, we're going to allow people to have individual expression of, you know, during the. the how, how did Goodell explain it? Uh, individual expression of dissent. I guess mm-hmm. something like this, um, which is you know too little, too late. But at least he did it. But 
God, you know, in in a year, in a month, in ten years, we'll look back on the NFL owners and other like it's so blatantly obvious he's blackballed. It's so blatantly obvious. Exactly. God, the, you know the Redskins need a quarter. Well, actually, maybe the Haskins will be the savior. I don't know, but it's like I just think to myself, why Daniel Snyder? Why don't you go after Captain? I don't get it at all. And maybe I'm naive, and maybe I'm. I just I don't get it. God, he was amazing with the 49ers, right? Yeah, he could still be service serviceable. I remember seeing him at University of Nevada. Mm. Uh, he was in a bowl game and just lanky and running around. Like, like wow, out. man. Yeah, like you know, I obviously and I think the the because the NFL is the NFL. You look at a quarterback like that that was tall and lanky, thin, and think, oh, will he trans? Will somebody give him an opportunity? Um, but man, he was. I'm glad someone did, and I'm glad I was able to see him. And God, he was amazing, brilliant. You said you're a college football fan. Who was your team? So growing Root for it, up. Um, and I'm supposedly I've learned that you can't do this, but, <laughs> but I was a Notre Dame and a Penn State uh, fan. Oh, I like the old school uniforms. You know, that's it's a it's, I, I, you know, Oregon's awesome with their uniforms, but I like the old school. And it's embarrassing to say I was a Paterno fan. Knowing where now, yeah, yeah, now it's horrible. <laughs> um, but 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 I do like the fact that there are no names on the jerseys and there's no decoration on the helmets, it's just bare bones. And there's something about the idea of pretending or acting like you've been there. Practice uh, that's practice, yeah, sure you know. And, and and Penn State's not not like any other, it's like other universities, everybody's kind Happy of saying now. But there was something about just pretend, you know, I was taught. Pretend like you've been there before. Give the ball to the, not that I scored any touchdowns, but, you know, give the ball to the ref and, you know, have a little bit of, like, um, subtlety and sophistication. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's stupid. Maybe that's, but that was the way I was taught. So, is it safe to say you dislike uh, Miami? Oh, right. I hated Miami. <laughs> <laughs> For all those reasons, you know, it's just like, no. It's to you, baby. Yeah. Um, you know what? I I honestly hated Miami, not because of the players, but because of the coach. Coach is. Oh, J- Jimmy. Mm. Jimmy. God, I hate him. I hate him to this day. <laughs> I don't want to. He's brilliant. He's awesome. Deserves everything. He doesn't care what Ned thinks, but he was, uh, yeah, I, I just couldn't take him. And, hate- and also a Florida State fan because my. my oh, God, my, this gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> my, my family was, lit. my grandfather retired in Tallahassee, oh. so we would go down. My sister went to Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State for a couple of years, so I became a Seminoles fan. Yeah. This is bad. This is bad. But, you know, <laughs> any given day, this is the great thing. It's like, and I think this is why the SEC is so amazing. On um, It's really true. Any given day, someone can beat someone else. Like, I sent a one of my earliest Instagram posts were something like, Florida beats Georgia. Georgia beats Alabama. Alabama beats Tennessee. Tennessee beats blah, 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 blah. And it's just like that conference beats up on itself it is amazing football and it's amazing to see the rivalries and the intensities and when it's done in the right and proper way it's it's it can be kind of cool maybe it is the kind of you know maybe there needs to be um, maybe uh, a clearer kind of look into the reasons why you know it's tribal it's it, it, it that was the way it was described the other night on ESPN um, it, it's it can be fractional. It can be, um, which is not something that I would like to be a part of. But I do like watching 
and what yeah watching probably watching more than going to a college football game i just think it's kind of cool that that could be very naive um i virginia commonwealth university where i went to school they didn't have a football team so i kind of missed that opportunity um maybe it's overblown and stuff but i would have liked to you know but if we go full circle that's probably not where i should have been at that time of my life you know around a lot of uh this is just mature yeah. Ned speaking now. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, like I see, like I'm like seeing, like I guess I'm like not kind of comparing to you. Like I see traits of you and what, like I think how the way you like to operate and what influences you, the things that you're interested in. Like I like a coach like Coach K, like a Bill Belichick, like these. You say you like Penn State and Notre Dame. These like just old school act like you've been there before. Mm-hmm. Like, like those. These are the guys. Like this is the way that this, like like Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like this, we're gonna run the triangle. I know this works. He's gonna beat it. Beat the proven mission. formula. Yeah. Like there's a track record here. We know this is gonna going to work. Like I'm, I'm like Bill Belichick. I'm like yo. How does this guy do it every year? Yeah, like, this I, is an like, old I hate football. him, but I hate him because they're so successful. <laughs> it's, it's, I, but I respect him, and it's like. Um, like we're gonna play defense and ball control. I would love at the end of the day for my work to speak for itself. And I don't feel comfortable saying, isn't this the greatest design in the world? Mm. What I probably do a lot is, is this okay? I ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. I'm insecure. It's like, what do you think about this? It's kind of like fishing for compliments, but not really. I would really love some honest criticism and I think too often we don't give honest criticism in design. Um, you know, you get to know a student uh, and you don't want to hurt their feelings and, you know, towards the end of their career. And it's like at the end, it's like I hate looking at portfolios um, in the senior year because the student can't really change a whole lot. And I don't want to be dishonest. And you say, well, you know, that type here in this one and the contrast in this one and the composition in that one maybe you need to do x y and z and you can just see the student begin to kind of wilt and it's like i don't like being in that position and they're almost at the end too so it's a bit of a like a you're trying to change everything at the last minute and I, i just like getting out of the way if i can if i can avoid it um but you know if i'm asked on the other hand it's like i think it's my duty to to, to speak my mind and to be as honest as I can because I think it's the times when people are honest with me mm-hmm. both about Ned and his personality and his ideas and his politics and his thinking that made the biggest difference in my life not the oh Ned you're the you're great mm-hmm. you know don't worry about Baba it was no Ned you're screwing up here or no Ned you're thinking about this incorrectly um, and it's like that's where I think teaching is so important and being in an academic environment. I mean, I really feel outnumbered, outclassed by my colleagues. They're amazing. They're, they're, they're very, uh, they're, they're just amazing. And so, you know, I have to be, I have to be on top of my game and I have to understand things in a way that makes sense to me um, before I feel comfortable. But, you know, the old school thing, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's truth to that, um, which doesn't necessarily make me feel that comfortable because everybody wants to feel progressive and and up to date. But there are things that, yeah, just um, I'd, I'd like the work to speak for itself if it could. So when I ask you guys what you think, you should just say nothing. <laughs> I'll go crawl away into a hole somewhere. I know you have, so I won't ask if you have, but what do you think about when the critiques go the other way? So you've talked about how sometimes the critiques could be a little bit 
not buttering up, but trying to be nice or walking on eggshells, not wanting to say, I guess, what they really think. But what about when it goes the other way of the spectrum? Well, depending upon, you, you have to gauge the student. You have mm-hmm. to gauge, are they willing to take the criticism? Are they in a place where they can take the criticism? Um, how devastating will the criticism be? Um, you can't use it. You're in a place of authority. You can't use it as a weapon. Right. I've well, seen. What about even from students? Meaning? When the students are critiquing one another. But they're not. Nine? I don't think it's cases of they're attacking them, but they are maybe implementing too much of what they want and like. Yeah. So that, that's I call that art direction. Yeah. It's like, well, you should do this, this and this. And it's like, well, rather than telling them what you think they should do, right. why don't you tell them what you think isn't working and allow them to solve the problem? I think I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Um, and I think I could be wrong, but a lot of the critiques from student to student early on is posturing, mm-hmm. trying to find where you're, where you are, who's the alpha, who's the, who needs help and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of works its way out. Sometimes students can be overly negative and attack. I personally think that it's easier to be negative than it is positive. Like I think critiques should start with the positive. Well, here's the things I think you've done really well. And I ask my students to start with the positive. It's easy to attack. It's easy to find the problems. Mm-hmm. It's more difficult to say, okay, these are these things seem to be working. And you know, when you see a student that's struggling or, or having a difficult time, um, you know, I've I've reached out to I probably reached out to you guys. You know, do you think you could kind of help me out here with this student and say some interesting things? Um, you know, not faking it. But giving that, because per- I know what personalities are like and I know what egos are like and being insecure myself, it's like the thing about design and art in general is, is you put your soul into that. You put it up there and it is attached to you, not physically, but spiritually. It mm-hmm. absolutely is. And when you attack that and say that's bad and that's wrong and that's ugly and that da da, you're saying you are bad and wrong and ugly. And so there's got to be some subtlety there. And I think what's kind of nice is working with students and it usually happens about midway through, getting to the point where there's leaders that are taking on, not every class, but there are leaders that are taking on certain roles and there's followers and there's there's people that are really shy and always gonna be shy. And you start to get the dynamics, but boy, I think, I will say this, I think uh, of all the things I do and have done, I think I'm pretty good critiquer. I think I can manage a critique really well, and I think I can see through a design, why it's working, why it's not very, very well. The rest of it, I'm still learning, but Mm -hmm. I've I've gotten to a point where I feel really secure about that. And I think what I try to do now is kind of pull back a little bit and let the students kind of talk more as much as possible. But that's very difficult because they're learning. It's like building a plane as you're flying. It's like they're learning as we're going through there. But I, I, you know, I hope I've never stunned somebody into silence because they're contributing. You know, I always want people to contribute. Mm-hmm. And, and there is this idea that, you know, there are no stupid questions or bad questions and stuff. And sometimes there are. Sometimes. I, I, sometimes there are. People are trying to get away with them. But, but in general, I think that's really true. It's like, you know, we're here to learn and people want to ask. And for whatever reason they're asking, it's kind of important that you hear them out. Sometimes it might be more than one case that they're thinking the same thing or similar. Or you think they're saying one thing or meaning one thing or trying to get at something 
and it's really innocent. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and you can, you, can, you can really kind of beat somebody up very easily if you're not careful. I think I haven't said this yet, but you know, if we go back to my insecurities and other issues, patience is not one of my strong suits either. <laughs> so I, I, I'm trying on a daily basis to be more patient, you know. And, and silence in a in a classroom is really awkward. Hey guys, what do you think? Uh, anybody want to talk about this? Cricket, 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 and you just keep waiting until somebody feels the pressure and pops. Yeah, okay, I'll talk. You know. <laughs> Who would like your favorite designers or like things that like people or things that designers are like? So I, I, I think it's fair to recent. say my favorite of all time, the person I admire the most is Wolfgang Weingart. Uh, and I, I, you know, I just, he's brilliant. And I love the kind of leverage he created by himself with modernism and kind of, you know, working in the bastion of modernism and kind of thinking and developing a new way of of presenting information. I just admire him a whole lot. Alvin Lustig, uh, I had an opportunity to write a book with Paul Sternberger, um, and uh, he's one of my favorites. He's he's funny, he's, he, he passed at age 40 from diabetes, mm. um, but he just, he felt like a cat. And you know how cats won't talk to you and, and they're better <laughs> than you are? It's like, that's what Alvin Lustig seemed like to me. Really smart, <laughs> Got sophisticated, him yeah. Rub them down. Yeah. Wolfgang Weingart, Alvin Lustig. I admire Bradbury Thompson, Lester Beale, Pete Schwartz, um, Kurt Schwitters. Yeah. I'm trying to remember things that you spoke about in class. Did you, I think you said you taught him, but you worked, you've also worked with him. I know we're going to, I think I know we're going to The book ask. cover, um, I didn't see uh, John Gall. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why in my head, like, oh, he's taught this guy. No, no, no. John graduated from Rutgers, Newark, and I think, I. <laughs> Hope 86, 87. Mm -hmm. And I got to know him through Frank Destoffa, who was the senior graphic design faculty when I came. And um, I, I'm not sure how we got to know each other, but we, we got, became friendly and um, maybe just um, through email or something. But um, we started doing, I started doing this exquisite corpse mm -hmm. idea where I was working with friends and kind of going back and forth. And, and he was one of the people that said yes to it. Um, and it was just a, it was a really great experience working with him, and I learned a lot from him. Um, he's incredibly smart. He's with Abrams now. He was with Knopf. Mm. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's just really a really great guy, really nice guy, and very generous. Um, we did some illustration work together as well in this kind of exquisite corpse uh, kind of manner. We did this um, Kobe Bay book cover series. It was really fun to do. Rutgers, Newark grad. I'm about to say, like, this this program sort of even pre like, pre 86. So there's, like, the graphic design in Newark, specifically Rutgers. It's a, For a long a thing. time. This yeah, you know, I think what, maybe what I, I shouldn't be proud of this, but I am proud of this uh, because it, I say I shouldn't because it, it, it was the combination of many, 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 many people over the years. But it's in a really good position. It's in a really good state right now. It's incredibly competitive with each other. Um, I think last year's class might have been the best ever because it was so large and so talented and they worked really well together. Not every class works well together. But, you know, you know, I almost say that every year. It's like, oh, well, this year's was better. It was like the Bulls. It was a year of yeah. good, yeah. good, good. They topped themselves. Yeah. And, you know, we don't need to be bigger. I, I, I've never wanted to be bigger than two sections. 
two sections seems manageable and you know and again I've surrounded myself with good people Chantel and Jennifer and Rebecca and Samer and you guys and others um, you know you, you don't do it alone um, I think I if anything I could be proud of the fact that I either made the case for or put people in a position of to succeed and mm-hmm. that that's I'm proud of that um, you know they, they've they were given an opportunity and they've they've exceeded my expectations but yeah I'm kind of proud of yeah, Rutgers Newark. Um, who'd have thunk it? And you know, it's like uh, the students' portfolios. I put them up against anybody. Absolutely, I really would. And I think they, the type of students we have, maybe wanted a little bit more. And certainly, they reflect that complexity of where they're coming from and their life experiences that other schools that I've taught at, or even where I went to undergraduate, students didn't have those issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of really unique situations that you have to be not you don't have to accept them or deal with them but you you should be conscious of them and that's you know i think that's that tenacity i like i love the underdog i love the underdog so more than notre dame and penn state and florida state i love the underdog whenever there is a football game it's the underdog except when it's my washington redskins (laughs) Because they're always the underdog. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right, right, I mean, we share that. I mean, the underdog story also, but like being a Redskin fan or what, I don't know if I want to keep saying Redskins, but being a Redskin fan, being a, a I guess, the, the specific Nick, New York teams I'm a fan of, Met, Nick, Net, no, Mets, Knicks, I'm Nets. a giant fan. I, I can't like the Nets. Yeah. They're in my borough, but I can't like the Nets. <laughs> I can't. Because they don't originate from there. Well, yeah. it's like, uh, I respect the Yankees, but I can't root for them. Yeah. I've got to root for the lovable Mets. There's a guy that lives in my, build, my building, and Drew, my son, walks out every time and says, how about those Mets? You know? <laughs> He's a Mets fan. And it's like, um, John Gall's a Mets fan. Every year they John collapse. Gall. They collapse every year. <laughs> but you know what? I, I you think keep I, coming back. You're just... Next year, you gather your thoughts and you gather your hopes and dreams, and you. But they can't even sell back. right. No. <laughs> but I, I got my fingers crossed for this A Rod J Lo buying team. They just added. Oh, somebody. were they going to buy? Yeah, they've been in talks and trying to. They're trying. I think they're, try, they're trying to muster up the rest of the money. They just got the guy that used to own Vitamin Water to to come in. Oh, for he owes me okay. money. <laughs> 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 so hopefully that group can get it done. Will Ponds. I guess a Will, Will Ponds, the Dolan family, and the Snyders. Yeah. They gotta go. Tell them. They, gotta they go. must party together or something. They, yeah. Oh, they must. They're probably related. Those same Well, I, I think you said it. Wrong side of history. Exactly. It's like if you can't acknowledge or understand that, man, poof. Good riddance. But yes, once again, this has been the Thanks for the Combo podcast. This is Jahi, the $600 man, son of a plumber. Just sidekick. <laughs> Legit sidekick, kicking it to dpz to bring it out again i have no idea what you're saying these are all the nicknames these are all okay. the call outs no i you're, you're the zen master i'm square man I'm <laughs> square. I, don't, I don't know any of this where can the fine people of the show or anywhere find where, you where can they find you if you want to promote in the web plug anything your Who book me? yeah, yeah. Uh, breadnation.com uh is my website with my wife and i bread brenda and ned that's what our, our niece called us all the time. Um, That's how it stuck? Mm-hmm. Bread Nation. We got the origins of the name. Breadnation.com, and um, you can see, yeah, mostly letterpress stuff now, um, but you can see 
stuff there. We just did a, a podcast with the Type Directors Club last uh, last week. Yeah. yeah something like that. It's, it's all blurring together, and I... I think you guys will agree. It's always three o'clock. <laughs> it's just always three o'clock. It's like you ne- the time has stopped, and it, I don't know what day it is, but it's always three o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, if not here, somewhere. Yeah, he's a legit sidekick. Thanks, Ned, for being here. Thank, Thank you. you a million. Yeah, please. Fucking bucks for being here. Energy, time, all of that. The drive. The drive. And I'm your host with the most, Donald, aka Baby Leo. <laughs> and then I guess today the role model, two straps. <laughs> Signing out, and we'll catch you later. <laughs> that's it. All right, man. Thank you. Well, that took some turns I wasn't expecting, but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>